0: You're listening to the home of cool, irreverent, and entertaining talk right here on LA Talk Radio. You're listening to The Art of Love with your host, Lucia, right here on LA Talk Radio.
1: Hello and welcome to The Art of Love, it's Lucia, I'm your host and a dating and relationship expert and I'm here to entertain, educate and enlighten you about love, dating and relationships. Take your live calls, answer your emails and speak to authors like the great one I have today who is Jillian Strauss. She wrote a book called Unhooked Generation and she's actually a former... Oprah producer and she's going to tell us the truth about why we are still single. Jillian. Hi. Hi. And what is your website? I don't have your website.
0: Unhookedgeneration.com.
1: Of course. (laughs) I should have known. Um, So welcome to The Art of Love. Thank you for being on. Thank you for having me. And before I delve into the book, I just want to ask you real quick since I have you on, what was it like to be a producer on Oprah? It was great. It
0: was a great experience. I learned a ton and, you know, Oprah's really amazing to work for.
1: Yeah, that's what I heard. I'm sure it was. Well, good for you. So how did you come to write Unhooked Generation? Well,
0: I had a lot of single friends, men and women, that were all outgoing, attractive, successful, you know, pretty together. And, you know, they were all struggling to find somebody, you know, for a long-term commitment. And everyone was sort of in the same boat dating. You know, these were all people that were dating and, you know, had very active social lives but could never seem to find the one. And it, you know, occurred to me that clearly there's something going on here. There's so many people in the same boat um, and so many single people, so why can't anybody you
1: know, find anyone. Right, right. Yeah. In fact, I actually started reading your book several years ago, and then I just got too busy to finish reading it. And then uh, once I got the radio show, I remembered the book. I'm like, I got to have her on because I need to read that book because I'm actually a member of the unhooked, Um, you know, I've never been married, I never had children. Uh And I, you know, I identified with a lot of these several evil influences that you discussed um, because I really have no desire to get married at this time. So, wow, I know, I know, it is very interesting. Everyone always asks me, how can you still be single? And it's like, well, look at the sev- seven evil influences. <laughs> exactly. Well,
0: that's the thing. I think that, you know, people,
1: my friends, people of my generation,
0: we always would get so frustrated and annoyed when our mothers and our family members would say, you know, why aren't you with someone? And, you know, we would sort of take it personally. And then I realized it it really wasn't so personal it was something more related to our generation
1: right so let's talk about a few of the seven evil influences which i'm sure people are wondering what the hell i'm talking about um the cult of i what describe what that is
0: the cult of i is this very you know independent even you know ethnocentric perception of the world that we live in i mean we have ipods you can go into starbucks and have your coffee made with a million permutations the exact way that you want it and then we expect oh we can find love but we're so used to in our culture having everything dedicated to us and and you know even with the internet you can choose a partner on a certain website that has a certain religion a certain job makes a certain amount of money Mm -hmm. you know and things Mm -hmm. in life don't always come that custom made certainly love doesn't. So I think the perception that we can have everything the way we wanted and have our lives stay the same and be independent, you know, it really is very unrealistic. Other generations knew that marriage was about compromise, and we don't have to compromise much as a generation, so that's a very tough lesson for
1: us. Right. In fact, there's a quote here from a book um, that you put in your book about Eve's Seed, which this really struck me, and I was like, oh my God, it's true. And it says, free love is the supreme oxymoron. Oxymoron, totally free people can have sex but never love, because to have love is to give up freedom.
0: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Anyone who is... In any kind of a long term relationship, will tell you that even if it is a wonderful relationship, it takes work and it takes compromise and it takes, you know, sacrifice in some cases.
1: And you realize you can't be totally free and still have love.
0: Absolutely. If you want to be totally free, pick up and go whenever you yeah. want. Um, you know you're not really someone who's ready to be in a relationship and the way that our generation was raised so independent mm-hmm. be anything you want do anything you want try a certain lifestyle if that doesn't work leave it do a certain job and if you get bored move to another city you know the the trans the impermanence the transient nature of that that doesn't really go hand in hand with long-term commitment
1: no not anymore um, let's move to the next one which is the multiple choice culture now you know I know if, there, if I get a menu that has a million choices on it, it's really hard to choose, and I get so frustrated. i like, I don't know what I'm going to choose to eat, so of course it's going to affect us if we have a multiple-choice culture. Absolutely.
0: I mean, look at how many Internet dating sites there mm-hmm. are out there. I mean, this, this idea, I have heard so many people, I use this line in my book, and then I've heard so many people say it, not even having read my book, that a lot of people, a lot of men in particular, are like, kids in a candy shop when they're dating on the internet there's just so many choices there's so many different places you can find available you know women and men for that matter that why are you going to just set your sights on just one person there was this experiment that i mentioned in my book out of stanford they um set up in in a grocery store 10 different kinds of jam, mm. and people could sample them and decide which one they wanted to buy. And then they had another uh, another test, and there were only three kinds of jam. Now, where do you think that people bought more, when there were 10 or there were three? You would think maybe 10, because, oh, there's all these different things that appeal to different people. But in reality, when there were less choices, people bought more. Because they were less overwhelmed with choice.
1: Yeah, yeah. And And
0: that's the way we are in our dating lives.
1: Yeah, and then you also said, you know, the more choices you have, the higher the expectations, but then the fewer people are going to meet your high expectations. So actually, in the end, it happens that you really don't have more choices. Absolutely, absolutely. Because I know that's my problem. It's like, I can pretty much get anyone (laughs) i like to think anyways um and so if something is not working it's like well why should i stick around here i got you know 10 more guys exactly i mean there's nothing as a generation there's nothing that we
0: feel the need to stick to um you know we've got millions of choices on our television sets we have you know millions of internet sites you know why why you know our parents they had you know four stations they could watch yeah Why stick to something when there's just all these other options out there?
1: Right. Let's move on. Then we have the celebrity standard, which, you know, living here in Los Angeles and, of course, there in New York, I think we're probably more aware of it because there's more celebrities in these two cities.
0: Absolutely.
1: When you see the examples of
0: marriage uh, in the media – you know, and all of these people, I'm sure you can name just, uh, you know, off the top of your head, three celebrities that have gotten married and divorced within the same year. And for our generation, you know, celebrities are sort of our, our idols and, and the people that we look up to as examples. Um, and so if you see their sort of fairy tale weddings um, as the happily ever after, and they're all getting divorced, you know, Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston – How can we believe in our own happily ever after, especially when we don't have lives that are as, you know, charmed as celebrities? Mm -hmm. They have all the money in the world and freedom in the world and career choice in the world. And if they have children, they, you know, have lots of help, unlike, you know, the average couple, and they can't make it last. So how can we?
1: Yeah. So, of course, of course, we think, well, then, it's, it's not going to, if they can't do it, then nobody can. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so why do you think so many marriages, severity marriages fail? Do you think it's uh, because of the eye, the, the cult of I, because it's all ego-driven? I do think it's the cult of I, and I think it's also the the choice, you know.
0: It's the impatience. I think that our parents understood that marriage was supposed to be challenging and full of compromise and sacrifice. Mm-hmm and but there was the the bonus of having a companion and i think that having a companion these days is seriously underrated um and i think that in other generations there were defined roles you wanted if you were a man you wanted to get married because you wanted someone to give you children and to keep your house and if you were a woman you needed a man to um you know pay, help you pay your bills and and sustain your life now you know i'm happy that we're in a generation where we have much more options than that and that i don't have to get married simply to be taken care of however there was more appreciation that that person was bringing something that you know if if it was the man he was taking care of the finances and if it was the woman she was taking care of the home but now because we can do all of these things ourselves Mm -hmm. We don't always appreciate what the other person brings to the table, and we do think, "Oh, I could be—I could just as well get divorced and make my own money."
1: Right. And in your studies, you said you found that guys, even the guys that had been really promiscuous. At the end of the day, you were surprised that a lot of guys actually do want relationships. Absolutely, I was
0: very surprised to find that women were as um commitment-phobic as men, mm-hmm. and men wanted relationships just as much as women did. Um, it, it didn't matter if this was a guy who had, you know, slept with 50 women. Deep down, at a certain point in his life, he wanted a relationship.
1: Right, which is maybe why he slept we with We all
0: know those guys in the yes. office who are <laughs> sending porn websites to their friends. You know what? Eventually those guys grow up and they get married.
1: Mhm. Everyone does, almost everyone <laughs> Yeah um, Okay, we'll do one more of the seven, seven evil influences And that is, okay, this one I have to tell you I really identify with It's the why suffer effect You know, because it's like Exactly, I,
0: that's back to, you know The, the sacrifice It's sort of the, the why suffer, why bother So times get tough Again, our parents' generation They lived through the, the depression They knew what struggle was Um, so when times got tough, they knew this is sort of, this is what brings you together. This is the glue that the tough times that keep us together. And I think in our generation, we feel so entitled for things to be easy. If, if, you know, we're depressed one day, we pop a pill, um, everything can be fixed so quickly and, the, the there is no sense that you get through the tough times and there's a benefit to it. And so if things are tough, we do. We want to check out. Today, we feel like the in love feeling that you often have, the, the romantic notions at the beginning of a relationship are the glue that should hold you together, which is a completely unrealistic way to look at love because those sort of feelings the puppy love the butterflies mm-hmm. any scientist can tell you that usually stops after 18 months or two years in a relationship so if you're going to base your entire relationship on that and that's the glue that holds you together you're mm-hmm. going to definitely come undone
1: um now i have like the 90 10 rule i think that a relationship should be good 90 percent of the time and then have problems 10 percent of the time what do you think about that
0: Oh, I like that. Oh, okay. I've never heard that, but I think that's interesting. <laughs> I mean, I think it's interesting, but I don't think that you I think you're going to go through periods where it's 70-30 yeah. and then periods where it's 60-40. I think maybe you're right on the balance. It would be great if it's, you know, Most it of the usually time. balances out to 90-10, but I think that what happens is when you don't make the commitment that you're going to give it 100% and it's totally forever, it actually adds to the percentage of bad times because you evaluate every single thing as, was this a mistake? Should I really be here?
1: Mm. Instead,
0: if you said, I'm here no matter what, you can start to see sort of like the silver lining in a bad day.
1: But, you know, forever, because now people are living, of course, longer and longer, forever sounds really scary. yes (laughs)
0: and if you think about that you will never get Get married married.
1: (laughs) okay that's why i'm forever is
0: a really scary time to be alone too anything is forever somebody said to you you're going to be at your job forever that would be scary too Mm.
1: you're going to live
0: in the house you live in right now forever there are very few things in life we want to feel like we've
1: done forever right Yeah, but even if you are alone forever, at least you know what it's like to be alone. You know, it's better the devil you know than the devil you don't know.
0: Yes. And there are going to be days of marriage where you wish that you were alone. And there are going to be days, if you were alone, that you wish you were married. So nothing is
1: perfect 100% of the time. I know, you can't have everything. Um, Okay, let's go to outrageous expectations. So why is it an outrageous expectation to have the checklist, which I know everyone has?
0: I think it's okay if your checklist um, includes the important things. What I found when I interviewed these hundred single men and women is they had all kinds of things on their checklist that really had more to do with common um, interests or hobbies and not common values. Mm. You know, and at the end of the day, you know, you may not want to spend every Saturday the same way. You may not want to do or watch the same shows on a Monday night. But if your values are in line and the big picture is in line and you want the same things, those things don't matter. It's not about meeting someone who's going to do everything you want to do 100% of the time. It's Mm -hmm. about someone who big picture has the same values that you have.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I'm sure you're familiar with Marianne Williamson. Yes. Yeah, you know, she actually talked about the checklist during one of her uh, speeches that I used to go to, and she uh, really uh-huh. said something very profound. You know, She says, you know, take that checklist and look at it and think, okay, would this person that's so wonderful, that has all these wonderful qualities, would this person date me? And of course, oh, of course everyone laughs because they realize, no, he probably wouldn't date you, or she probably wouldn't date you. And she said, you now make another list and uh, write down the qualities that this person that you're looking for would want in the person that they're looking for. And she goes, that's the list you need to concentrate on.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah, because if you're working on yourself, then you're not trying to fix someone else to fit into your picture.
0: Well, I think the other problem with the checklist is that, again, you're trying to make someone custom order to your specifications. Yeah. And that's not really the way that love works.
1: Yeah, because a lot of There's an
0: people... unquantifiable thing that makes you feel a certain way towards someone. And, you know, the kind of thing somebody would do for you, you know, pick you up, you know, when it's raining and you don't want to walk home. You know, things like those, those can't be quantified on a
1: checklist. no. And people always say that they knew when they met the person that they were going to marry. Is that true?
0: I mean, I don't really subscribe to that to okay. that belief. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, you know, some people talk about that, you know, having love at first sight. But I think for our generation, that is so rare because yeah. we have so much skepticism and we're weighing all these things, you know, our freedom and our independence versus being committed. Um, having so many choices the cynicism about marriage so I don't think that we're free enough Mm. to fall in love at first sight I think we're too much in our heads about
1: it right um and then another outrageous expectation is the fear of settling and you say of course you know obviously we all settle at some point when you make a choice because you accept this choice and therefore all the other choices are cut off yes but it seems nobody wants to settle anymore
0: (laughs) Nobody wants to settle, but it depends on, again, that definition of settling I think is the wrong, it's the wrong way of looking at it. Everybody settles if you think about the fact that you're marrying a real human being and not a fantasy because Mm. nobody is perfect and nobody will fulfill every fantasy that you have. So in that sense, everybody is settling. Right. But I'm not an advocate of settling, you know, and marrying someone that you, you know, have no physical attraction to right. or, um, you know, don't laugh with. I mean, I think that that kind of settling is different. I think that today my generation thinks if someone doesn't have every single thing on the checklist, they're settling.
1: Mm-hmm. And what uh, you came up with the term the Wilma Flintstone effect. What is that? The what? The Wilma Flintstone effect.
0: Oh, yeah, the Wilma Flintstone effect. You know, that is the idea that I I believe it was the sort of the old fashioned notion
1: of settling. Right. That guys are still looking for someone. I'm still surprised that guys find it important that they want their woman to cook them a meal. Right. That they, I do feel that there is a bit
0: of traditionalism, you know, left in us.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, that there is some, even though you may have married the most modern woman in the world who maybe makes more money than you do, at the end of the day, I think a lot of men think it's great to for their wife to cook them, you know, a, home, a home-cooked meal.
1: Yeah, I'm always surprised. Or they say, oh, just, you know, make me a sandwich. I guess they kind of want to feel like you're kind of taking care of them in a way.
0: Exactly. And and by the same token, I think that even successful women, you know, many of them would feel more comfortable if they were with a man who could make a good living. Hmm. Because after all, I mean, we still are, you know, animals. I mean, that as much... You know has uh, has feminist and has been around it ha- it doesn't change that sort of innate um quality that men and women have you know it's it's been you know men have always went, have always married for youth and beauty, and mm-hmm. women have you know married in some way to be taken care of and it really hasn't changed that much
1: yeah, it's interesting to find that no matter how much money a woman makes, she still wants someone who makes more money than her yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, so how does the media and the pop culture glorify the single life?
0: Well, I think, you know, Sex and the City is really the best example of that. The And I mean by that, the show and not the movie, mm-hmm. because the movie definitely took some very different turns. But the show, you know, that we watched over and over for six years Really glorified the single life, mm-hmm. and even I don't know if you recall the episode where they had this friend. I think her name was Lainey, and they went to her house in the suburbs for a baby shower. Right,
1: and, mm-hmm. I remember you that. You know, nobody one.
0: really. Everyone thought she was so boring, and then this woman, and pathetic that she lived in the suburbs and was having a baby, and then this woman came to the city looking for excitement because she was so bored and unhappy in her life. And sort of had too much to drink and went a little crazy and took off her top, you know, showing that she was trying to escape her suburban traditional life. Um, shows like Sex in the City and Everybody Loves Raymond show marriage to be boring.
1: Mm.
0: So I think that we are much more seduced by the single life and the fact that you could have a different sex partner every night and you could be out drinking every night Um you know, that is much more appealing to our generation than having somebody next to you, you know, sleeping next to you in bed. Right. Um, in a romantic sense, not a sexual sense. Um, the same person every night.
1: Yeah, exactly. It sounds a little boring <laughs> if you're not used to it. But I'm sure if you're used to it, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I jokingly refer to text messaging as the downfall of Western civilization. Um, Absolutely. I, I try to keep it to Especially admit. when it
0: comes to dating.
1: Yeah. In fact, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm able to get around it because I actually have a landline, one of the few people who still have a landline, you and me and a few other people. And so when I meet someone, I, I give them my landline and I tell them, uh, that's a landline so you cannot text message me. And that cuts them off at the knees. So, you know, how do, how do email and texting and instant messaging impact dating these days?
0: Well, I mean, I just, I was actually out with a male friend last week, and he said, I don't understand. I went out with this girl. We had a great time. We hooked up. You know, I've been trying to get a hold of her. I haven't heard back. And I said, oh, you called her. Oh, well, I sent, you know, I sent her a couple of text messages, and I haven't heard back. And I said, well, there's your answer. No woman wants to be text messaged. She wants to be called. She wants to hear from you. She wants to know that you care. It's really easy to send a text message when you're sitting You know, in the back of a taxi and you're Mm -hmm. bored, it takes effort and care to have a phone conversation. Right. And he's like, oh, you really think that's why? I said, absolutely, that's why. So, you know, I think that that's, again, part of our non-commitment culture. Um, To make a phone call is a bigger commitment, and it means more than to just send a text message. Everyone sends text messages these days.
1: Yeah, and I find a lot of guys, they're saying like a general text message to a bunch of girls, but it sounds like it's going to just you, you know? It's like, hey, how are you oh, doing? Oh,
0: interesting.
1: <laughs> like, haven't talked to you for a while. How are you doing? You know, six girls. I haven't girls. even heard about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, there you go. See, I'm giving you some information here today. <laughs> no, because a friend of mine did it. That's how I found out. Otherwise, I wouldn't have known. So when I get one of those to him, I'm like, oh, are you multi- a multi texting again yeah (laughs) are you up to your old tricks again um okay casual sex we got to talk about casual sex why is it such a detriment to eventually finding true love well i just think that casual sex can make you really
0: jaded you know you go through all of these people and by the time you do have sex with someone you care about you know it may not hold the same appeal i mean other generations it was the the warm-up to the sex that was exciting. It was the the tension built from the first kiss or the first night that you held hands and you didn't have sex. And that's what made it exciting and you wanted to to build that expectation. Nowadays, we have sex on the first date and then we decide and get to know each other and decide if you want to hang out after that. It's sort of now sex is the icebreaker, not the the build-up. And we sort of cheat ourselves out of the excitement that comes the expectation that comes with waiting a little bit
1: yeah it's turned into a hookup culture absolutely um so speaking of hookup culture you've got some terms here that i'm going to go through uh what is a bling ultimatum (laughs) the bling ultimatum is
0: when a woman says to a man you know you basically have to give me a ring or, uh,
1: <laughs> or, you're <out> of here. <laughs> or else I'm
0: leaving. Um, you know, I'm sure we all know people who have done this. Uh, sometimes it's successful and sometimes it's not successful, but you know, the bottom line is who really wants to get married that way?
1: Right. Well, I actually tell women, I go, you know, don't give an ultimatum, just leave. And if he wants you, want to, he'll call back. Right. Uh, okay, what is D- DTR talk?
0: Um, G-t-r defining talk. the relationship. <laughs> oh, the defining the relationship talk. Well, you know, I joke about that because people usually think it's the woman who, you know, has that, has that sort of like, okay, you know, when are we committed? Are we exclusive? Um, but in reality, I, in my experience. It was usually the man in my relationships that initiated the DTR talk.
1: Wow. And how long... So well-
0: it's, you know, defining it, that need, you're, you're going along, you're dating, you're having a great time, but at some point, one of you mm-hmm. is going to say, okay, where is this going?
1: And so you found, for you, it was generally guys? How long did it take them from when you first Not started?
0: generally guys. I think this stereotype is the woman always wants to know where it's going they can't just be in the moment right but um you know surprisingly i found in a lot of my relationships it was the man that initiated that conversation
1: and how how long would it take him months like three months four months Five months? yeah months or even weeks sometimes oh okay because yeah that's the problem women um they're impatient and usually on a different time schedule than the man yes and so they're trying yeah. to rush to define, and
0: unfortunately, it. that can often kill their relationship. And a relationship that otherwise might have done okay.
1: Yeah, because the guy's having fun; he's doing okay. And why would he want to change things? Yeah, but yeah, that's what I find. It's like um, if I don't say anything, eventually, there's like guy's like, "Okay, where's this going? What's going on here?" <laughs> and then you know that you can uh, go to the next level. Okay, what is express dating?
0: Oh, express dating. Yes. (laughs) Well, it's just this idea that you can speed through dates, you can have maybe one date for dinner and then meet someone else for drinks, you know, double booking this, you know, going on dates with a lot of different people, um... You know, it used to be you lived in a town and you would sort of know who was going out with somebody else, and it would sort of like have some embarrassment to it. You sort of really needed to be with just one person, but nowadays with all the Internet options, there's just no shame to, you know, dating as many people as you can in as short a period of time as possible. People don't even want to commit. They have such commitment issues, they don't even want to give someone their whole night they can't even commit their whole night to one person let alone a lifetime so they'll book two or three dates in one
1: evening wow um yeah, i did a lot of internet dating i've stopped now for a while got burnt out but um you know i found that you know i may have like five six guys i'm talking to but then eventually i may have only ended up meeting one or two Because a lot of times they would just you know something would happen and they would it just wouldn't work out so it's almost like I had to have five or six going in order to finally go out with one or two. Yes. Well,
0: yes, but again, you're looking at dating as sort of, okay, let me weed out. Sort of an elimination process. It
1: it is. It's like a
0: reality show. (laughs) It is a reality. It is like a reality show. Instead of like, you know, you're not going to fall in. People want these days, they're so impatient. They want to meet someone and have this instantaneous he's the one yeah but it's really through time and experience and getting to know someone that you fall in love with someone and we don't really give it a chance these days to happen
1: yeah it's because the world is so fast paced we want everything so fast immediately right and we're not willing to wait to see if it's going to develop into something exactly um okay what is marriage light
0: Oh, marriage light. Marriage light is the many strategies of our generation, um, that we engage in. We want physical intimacy, we just don't want the ties and the long term commitment of marriage. So it's the Gen X version of commitment, intimacy without risk and without traps. So an example of that is, you know, hedging your bets. You might Move in with your boyfriend, but you keep your apartment just in case it doesn't mm. work out. You sort of have that that fallback plan. You know, you you might get engaged to somebody, but you have this. Um, you sort of know in the back of your mind. You know, we could we could break up. You know, we could call off a wedding. I know other people who've done that. So it's also having like a starter marriage. Um, you know, where you think to yourself. You get married, and it doesn't work out, and you get divorced, and that's not the way other generations thought.
1: No, not at all. Okay. So
0: you're committed, but you're not really 100% committed.
1: No, it's more a convenience than a commitment. Yes. Um, Okay, I hope this doesn't sound like a quiz. Uh, The next one is play mode.
0: Well, I think that our generation is all about play and is all about fun, and it is is all about, you know, entitlement. And that could mean casual sex, casual dating. And the bottom line is you're just not ready for a commitment. Um, You know, you, you could say, oh, John, you know, he wasn't ready for a girlfriend. He was still in play mode, meaning he does whatever he wants. He has casual dating and casual sex, and he just doesn't want to be serious about anyone. And that is so acceptable. Nobody would even look at you like anything's wrong with you. They would just say, oh, he's just, he's just in play mode. He's just in that stage. Mm-hmm. Other generations, if somebody was 30-something years old and still going out and having one-night stands, somebody would think either that person you know, had some serious issues or was gay or something.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, people aren't growing up as fast as they used to. Absolutely. I mean, my mother, she had a child at twenty, one at 22, and one at 24. Wow. So by the time she was 25, she had three kids.
0: And that's completely generational.
1: Yeah. These days, it doesn't happen very often. And when, if, if it does, you're like, what's wrong with her? Uh-huh. <laughs> Why does she get married and have kids so quickly?
0: Yeah. She must have been really,
1: you know, needy or lonely. Yeah. Where well, before, it was just expected. You had to get married. And Um, And if you
0: did it, you were the odd one out. Today, you know, if you do it young, you're the odd one out and looked at as odd.
1: Right, right. Um, Okay, how about what is the total package? The total
0: package, well, I think we all are, you know, looking for the total Mm. package. Absolutely. We think we really can have it all. That one person is going to be the combination of good looks, brains, personality, someone who has everything. It's the same idea of, of settling. You know, that someone wants the total package. And, of course, nobody is the total package.
1: But they can certainly try to become the total package. Yes. <laughs> since they have so much time being single, working on themselves. Yes. Um, okay, so there's... People give a lot of reasons for delaying marriage. And uh-huh. one one of them is, okay, well, you know, I have enough, uh, plenty of companionship, so why should I commit?
0: Absolutely. So in our parents' generation, companionship was something that was really valued. But today we have lots of friends. We even have, you know, lots of friends of the opposite sex. And we can have sex outside of marriage, which wasn't the case in our parents' generation. So we go to all these different people to fulfill our needs. We might have the guy that we have sex with. We have the girlfriend we go shopping with. So all, all of our companion, our physical companionship, our sexual companionship, our emotional companionship, maybe our th- we have our therapist for that. So we have all these different people fulfilling those needs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So we don't, you know, need one person for that. Right. And so, you know, we don't really value companionship. We don't. In the same way that you want that one person to provide it, today we want, you know, this love, this, this, you know, feeling of euphoria, which is really unrealistic um, in, in our partners.
1: Um, I I know you're, you're married, right? Yes. Okay, good. (laughs) Um, And so what made you finally decide to marry this person?
0: Well, I really, you know, I obviously wrote this book because I was really struggling with these these evil influences. I mean, here I was someone who came from a very happily married um family. My parents were, you know, have been married for about 50 years and they're still quite in love and you would think why would this girl be so afraid of commitment? Mm-hmm. But it was this idea that my parents seemed to be an anomaly and I knew so many people whose parents were divorced. I even had friends who were divorced. I was so scared of making a mistake or settling. And finally, when I looked at all the behaviors of people of my generation, and I realized after years and years of dating, nobody was right. This guy was too short. This guy was too into sports. This guy was, um, you know, we, we weren't close enough in line in terms of Um, what we wanted to do with our free time. So once I realized that I had all these rigid expectations, the checklist, and I started to relax those evil influences, and I thought to myself for the first first time, it never occurred to me that there was something I was doing wrong in my dating life, not that I was meeting the wrong people, because I always thought, oh, you know, everything was wrong with everybody else, something was wrong with everybody else, and when I when I looked at myself after hearing all these other people talking about the same feelings as I was feeling, I realized if I don't relax these these evil influences and if I don't relax my expectations, I'm oh I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. Mm. And at that time, I met someone who was really a fantastic person. Who maybe five years ago I would have said he's not this or he's not that, and reality. Once I did make the commitment of marriage, even though I went through in my mind like I'm limiting my options and is there someone better out Mm. there, once I made that commitment and fully made it, I was like, this is the smartest thing I ever did in my entire life. I can't believe I doubted this. This person is so much more wonderful than I even thought. But it was in my mindset of he's not this, he's not that, he was supposed to be this, supposed to be that, that I didn't even see how great he really was,
1: right, because you're so busy rejecting him, you couldn't see
0: exactly
1: the good things about it,
0: and I was so busy not fully committing, even if I wasn't rejecting him, I wasn't fully committed, you know, in the back of my mind was, well, I guess if it doesn't work out, we could always get divorced, if mm. it doesn't work out, even though I knew I really didn't believe in that, I really didn't want that if it you know if it doesn't work out, you know we could always call it off.
1: So once you've fully made that commitment, how do things change?
0: It just, it was great. I just fell so much more in love with him than I had allowed myself to be before that.
1: Oh, because, uh, yeah, I've heard guys uh, that eventually were reluctant to get married. They married in their late 30s. And the one thing they all said was, I wish I'd done this sooner.
0: Yes, yes. And of course, you know, now they're older and a lot of them may want children and, not as easy to have children in your late 30s and 40s, not just physically, but just to, to, to care for them.
1: Right, right. Okay, so let's let's go on to the good news, then. How do we find love in this generation? So I
0: think what we do, is, it starts with self-examination. I mean, if, you know, if you're of a certain age and you truly want to be with someone down to your core, it's not this, you know, your mother thinks you should be with someone or... You know, you only want to be with someone because your biological clock is ticking or you only want to be with someone because, you know, none of your friends are single anymore. If you truly want to be with somebody and you're not, then there's probably something that you're doing wrong
1: in dating. You're the common denominator.
0: You're the common (laughs) denominator. You you. (laughs) probably have either unrealistic expectations or a very extreme checklist. Or you're very cynical about love because you grew up in this sort of post-divorce generation. Or, you know, you're very influenced by the fact that you're in a post-feminist generation. You think to yourself, I don't need him. I'm only going to get married if I'm really in love because I don't need to have a man in my life. Um, Yeah, you might not need to, but maybe you really want to.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you so I to.
0: think that once you... Um, open your mind and you allow yourself to get to know someone and I don't mean throw out the values you really want in a person just to get married. I'm very against that, but when you open your mind and your your heart to getting to know somebody
1: mm-hmm.
0: you you really increase your chances of of falling in love when you you relax those expectations you relax your checklist and it's just like if you went on a date if you if you met someone who was a friend a guy that was a friend um if you were set up on a date with that same guy you might not like him on a date but as a friend you might really fall in love with him we know so many i have so many stories of people who married their best friend because if you put on those glasses like (laughs) i'm looking for the one nobody's going to seem just right but if you have no expectation and someone's just your friend you might grow very close and very intimate
1: Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so let's uh, briefly go over the five keys because you said from happily mated people you learned uh, the second stage of finding true love. So the first one is, you know, as we mentioned, look at yourself first. Look at yourself first, absolutely. Because it's probably you, not him (laughs) or her. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Again, burn the checklist. Burn the checklist, absolutely. And, okay, stop speeding. What does that mean?
0: Stop speeding means... This having this impatience that is is such a part of our culture that, you know, when a show gets boring, you change the channel, you go to a different website, the line's too long at Starbucks, you go somewhere else, Mm. you know, you try to have two dates in the same evening. So love, you know, it takes time. It really, um, most people who have been long married say they're, you know, much more in love. Ten years down the line than they were, you know, at their first puppy love.
1: So, but how does that ha- How does that happen to bloom? Oh, okay, I, I, yeah, because I hear people saying that I'm like, "What? How can you be more in love ten years later?"
0: Absolutely, because your connections are deeper. Oh, You've been through okay. more together. You know each other better.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. You know,
0: maybe the first time. The first few months I was dating my husband when I would see him and he, you know, the way he looked was still a novelty to me. I might have that sort of, you know, excitement, that sort of puppy love Mm -hmm. feeling, even though I didn't know him that well. But now when I'm feeling sick and he brings me, you know, my favorite kind of coffee um, in bed, I love him that much more because he knows me and he knows what's going to make me happy, and he and he and he cares about that. So, I think that you know you need to value those things, the, the connections and the knowing each other, you know, as much as those sort of like the first throws of passion.
1: Right. Right. Okay. The fourth key is go all the way. Now, what does that mean?
0: <laughs> go all the way means when you're going to be with someone fully commit to it i have a i have a male friend who started dating somebody and then at the same time he started dating a second woman Mm, and he would say to me you know i really like this girl but you know now there's this other girl and i'm not really sure about the first girl now and i said you never fully gave the first girl a chance you never fully invested in that because you had this other woman i said If you shut down your other options and you fully invest you know in this first woman you really get to know her you'll have a much better chance of falling in love with her
1: Uh huh yeah but that seems difficult today because everyone is into multiple dating
0: everyone is but you know I there's nothing wrong with I just said to him try out dating the first woman. Give her a real chance, fully commit, go all the way, don't hold back emotionally. And you know what? If that doesn't work out, yes, you do move on to the next person. But when you're when you have another person waiting for you, mm-hmm. you're hedging your bets. Yeah. You just don't you know, it's like going for a job interview and you know there's this other interview coming. Maybe you don't completely put it out there that you've got to have this job because you think well, I want—I don't want to put all my eggs in that one basket. But if you don't put all your eggs in that one basket, you can never get to the level you know, of deep love and commitment that you may be seeking.
1: Wow. Okay. And the fifth one, commit and fuel the fire.
0: Yes, commit and fuel the fire. So, so many people complain of our generation that, oh, you know, it, it once the fire goes out, once the passion goes out, um, you know, there's nothing left anymore. And that's when a lot of people get divorced. But if you commit yourself to the relationship and to fueling the fire, the fire isn't something that just burns on its own. You have to make a commitment to renew it over and over again, especially if you're in a 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 year relationship. You're going to have that happy relationship. People think that the spark, the initial spark of the union, is supposed to take you through the rest of your life and that it should have no effort and that if it needs a little bit of tending to, that something is wrong in the relationship. That mentality is wrong. Of course um, you have to tend to a fire. Of course you've got to keep that spark going. Right. So it's once you commit... When you fully commit, you're also committing to fuel that fire. Right, yeah. You Don't up put up. it on
1: autopilot. <laughs> yeah, you, you brought up divorce, and, you know, with the divorce rate being so high, people are, obviously they're afraid to get married. Why do you think that the divorce rate is so high? Do you think maybe it's because people aren't fully committing?
0: I think the divorce rate is, is so high, yes, because people aren't fully committing, and because when it does get tough, they check out, and they think it's so easy to get, you know, divorced and start over and find someone else, and because when the the passion seems to be gone, they don't take the time to, to fuel it, all of these reasons, and because divorce is so acceptable today, mm-hmm. you know, I interviewed someone for my book who said she married her best friend, she had a child with that person, and she got divorced because she said... You know, I just felt we were best friends. We weren't really, you know, that wasn't really enough. And, um, you know, these days there's no stigma attached to divorce, so why should I stay married? You shouldn't stay married because there's no stigma. You shouldn't get divorced because mm-hmm. there's no stigma. hmm You did make a commitment after all, and just because there's no stigma, that doesn't mean that a child doesn't need its father in its life every day. I mean, the fact that she had a child and she so cavalierly said, you know, there's no stigma to being divorced. My kid won't suffer from any stigma. Well, he might not suffer from a stigma, Mm -hmm. but he might not be very happy that he only gets to see his dad every other weekend.
1: Right, right. Unfortunately, that's the norm. So I, yeah, I have one. Friend- that doesn't mean it's good. It no, just means that it's all. acceptable. Exactly. So, what would you say to someone who wants to find true love, but they're afraid because of all the pain from past relationships?
0: I would say, unfortunately, you've got to take a risk. Nothing in life is a hundred percent guaranteed.
1: Okay, and and then also I I, I heard I hear that you know once you do find the true love and you open yourself up to it, it actually heals you of pain of past relationships.
0: It can. It can. And I also think that it's, it has to do with you. I mean, when you are ready to love and be loved, you will find it. And, it, you know, you can't, if, if you're constantly resisting it and you're constantly not finding it, it really has, again, more to do with you than the other person.
1: Right, I agree. Well, you know, thank you so much for writing this book. You're I think it really speaks to this generation and I think you've hit it on the head totally with the seven evils and everything you've written. Thank and, you. Uh, and thank you of course for being on and uh, take care.
0: My pleasure. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye.
1: All right, that was Jillian Strauss, the author of Unhooked Generation, and the website is of course unhookedgeneration.com. As usual, it is time for me to move on, move on down the road. (laughs) Thank you for uh, joining me today. My website, theartoflove.net, my book, lessonsoflove.net, and remember, love inspires, empowers, uplifts, and enlightens.
0: You're listening to The Art of Love with your host, Lucia, right here on LA Talk
1: Radio.